Sally Needham, live from your office, firewalls, all fully disabled. How are you doing? You all right? Yes, I'm good, thank you. Are you? I'm great. I'm good. I'm excited to have you on for a number of reasons. One is you've got an office that makes you look intelligent. You've got lots, <laughs> of, lots of books on the wall and then a whiteboard with some kind of mind mapping activity going on. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> uh, secondly, because you are a woman who works in football, which I am excited about. Uh, aren't you. too many of you about. And thirdly, and most importantly, you're Northern. <laughs> so, uh, um, do you want to kind of, uh, yeah, would you want to explain what you do, who you are, how you got there, what's been the journey, um, any, any other uh, interesting facts along the way? Uh, I'll try. Um, as you said, I'm, I work for the Football Association. Um, I'm the county coach developer for Derbyshire, um, which I love, um, and got a great county. Um, I started in football, well, playing, and then went into coaching by pure luck, really. Um, I was well, playing at the college at Barnsley College and um, the coach at the time just said um, part of it, my roles as, as a vice captain were to help with warm-ups and things and and then he just said actually you're actually not bad at it so uh, even working at uh, the girls centre of excellence at Barnsley and I went along and it rolled from there really went to university did my quals quite quick actually I did my level one at college did my level two first year at uni and then when I finished university, did my UA for B, um, so 20 at the time, so quite young. Um, and then decided I'd try and uh, want to be a P teacher, but then got the hook into coaching. So I decided I'd give myself a couple of years to really see if I could uh, get anywhere in uh, coaching. And luckily I worked for my mum and dad in the morning in the admin office at their uh, business. And then I did a lot of PPA after school, Girls Centre of Excellence, anything and everything I could do. Um, and then I was really fortunate that um, I got into Coach Ed. So I started um, delivering coach education when I was around 22, 23, which at the time, there weren't that many of us. I think there were about four females at the time, um, Julie and Julie up north being two of them. Um, so it was a bit interesting, the, what you find in the, uh, in the classrooms. Um, but all good and a good learning curve and uh, I did that for about a couple of years and then I got a, a interesting phone call um, and I went uh, down to London and had a discussion at the Beckham Academy and ended up moving down to London and working there doing coach education so with Tessa Payne who was at Arsenal and Ted Dale yeah, yeah. and Noddy uh, so that were our kind of little team um, and did coach education down there and worked there as a coach for a couple of years and then got the opportunity to um, move and um, work in the skills programme at the FA. So it gave me a chance to move back home. Did a little bit of stint in LA at the time. And then um, worked in the skills programme for until I went into this job. And absolutely loved the skills programme. Working 5 to 11s, working with schools, teachers, after school clubs, holiday clubs, everything to do with 5 to 11. I was just in, absolutely in my element. I loved it. So much grounding when you've got <clears throat> 32 children in a classroom or a sports hall or a school dining hall and you've got Christmas tree in one and 
the organ in the other, uh, peas on your feet because you've just had dinner. Uh, kids have just had dinner. It was brilliant. I loved it. Absolutely loved it. Peas on your feet. I like yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> one, one girl's the organ. We'll use the Christmas tree and the deputy headmaster as the other one. That's it. That's it. Why do you love coaching those ages so much? The little ones? Yeah. Do you know what? They're just there. They're so funny in what they say. Um, they're just like sponges. They're just so creative and imaginative and affectionate as well as just the emotions and the faces. I just love. I just, I love doing the little ones. I did for my um, MA module um, last year. I uh, coached uh, a group of three and four year olds for a year. I absolutely loved it. Absolutely loved it. It would yeah. be lots of people's idea of hell, um, I would imagine. So I'm, I'm pleased you found your calling. I love it as well. That would be, I was saying last night, like if someone said, oh, the, the challenge with coaching is you just get paid more the older they get. So yeah. um, I, I would just much rather hang with the kids, quite frankly, for all the reasons you said. Like, they're just great fun, aren't they? Yeah, they're brilliant. Absolutely. And some of the things that they come out with, I just love it. And their the honesty and what they say to you is just so, so just humbling and just real life. I love them. I love it. And what, um, what about LA? What did you do in LA? Just did a little stint out there for the Beckham Academy. So what? we got opportunities to when, um, when David went across to LA Galaxy, we had a couple of opportunities to go out there. A couple of the girls have stayed out there and doing really well. So working uh, in the women's national squad at the US Soccer um, and doing their own bits out there and some of the lads. So yeah, we're good. A uh, good life experience for a couple of weeks and yeah, we're really good. Made some good friends out there. So I try and go out quite a little bit. So but yeah. Bit of a rock star in LA, I've heard you. <laughs> no. Give some, give some people some shout outs. So who, who along the way have you kind of learned some stuff from or picked up? Who's given you some feedback? Where <laughs> When have been some real aha type moments? Any of that stuff comes to mind? Yeah, do you know what? I did this a, a few weeks ago actually in our, um, in our master's group. And um, it's interesting when you start looking back. So at college, my, obviously my tutor at college gave me the first opportunity. Um, and then I went um, and Colin Morris, who David works in the CCD programme, he kind of the one that gave me the, uh, the opportunity and mentored me through to be a tutor. So I always think that he's had a massive influence on my, on my journey. Um, loads of people really, but I think massively for me is uh, Julie Chip Chase. But cool, her, is, her is... um to be a rugby coach, Julie Chip Chase. <laughs> All right. No, she's a football coach. Wow. Um, one, because just of her... Um, knowledge of the game like I've learned a lot of the technical and tactical side of it um, a passion to keep on learning and just the fact that I just we speak near enough every other day um, so we just she's one there that I can be a sounding board of but not just for football just for her work and for life um, so she's a massive been a massive influence um, Pete Sturgis again has been an absolute massive influence on me so with regarding 5 to 11s and then youth award stuff and then the opportunities that I've had um, so we were the one that gave me the opportunity to be on the pilot of the advanced youth award which really is kind of the why that set me off this path yeah um so he's been an absolute massive influence in me 
Um, I would say um, my, quite a few family members has been massive influences for our support and also actually understanding a little bit more of where I am now. Um, and then there's a, um, the war. Um, my A my A license group as a group um, was phenomenal. So we had a, a really good group. Um, it helped in the journey, and there was um, a guy on there called Mark Burton that actually I sound a lot of stuff off that technical and tactical, and and kind of gave me a bit of the confidence that actually um, I actually do know a little bit about football, <laughs> and that I can actually work it in the boys' game. So. He was the one that kind of gave me that confidence to actually go, you know what, I want to work boys game rather than female game, not saying it should be split. Uh, and I do a lot in the female game, but um, yeah, he kind of the one that gave me the confidence to try and push into the boys game a little bit, which is obviously where I've, I've gone into a little bit more now. Cool, and I'm going to ask you about that in a second. What I was definitely thinking about then was something that uh, well actually so yeah so one of the questions I asked you when you presented at Grimsby was would you present differently to so there's a group of men at Grimsby of course there was uh, yeah. and you found yourself presenting some of your work which we're going to go on to in a bit to a group of men what and I said oh would you do anything differently because it's men and you just said uh, well no because I generally only deliver to men <laughs> <laughs> What have you noticed? Has there been some, why the boys game? And, um, and what's the impact of being a female in that world at the moment? Um, do you know what? The boys game challenges me, I feel. And also you've got to look that we do a lot of pre-academy and where the boys sign at eight and the, the system that they're in in the, in the academy structure um, is probably where it gives me more opportunities. Quite a lot in the girls in the RTCs some have under 10s, uh, but some don't. So the age bandings of where they are um, enables me on the boys to actually um, work with the age group that I want to work with. Um, so that's kind of why I've gone more the boys game. Uh, and also a lot of the work, which obviously we're going to touch on later, um, within emotional social development, with the stats that are quite aligned with the boys, I think, you know, it's it's... It's really important that we both cross both boys and women's game and girls game. Um, but actually, it quite sits and fits with the boys' side. Yeah, I, would, I mean, so Rich Berry, who works a bit in rugby, would do a lot of stuff around your stuff as well. And the, you know, male suicide and that type of stuff yeah. and uh, well-being. And that would be, uh, would be something that would be quite critical. If, if, imagine I was going to go and coach uh, some kids tomorrow and I was like, oh, uh, Sally, Sally, I'm about to go and coach some under nines. What's your top tips? What's your top tips? If you could go bang, 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 here it is, Rusty. This will sort you out. What are they? Um, try to learn names as quick as you can. I, so uh, yeah, that's, so that's why I've started playing the no ball game because they have to shout out the names and I just keep hearing them and remembering them. Yeah, so names is massive. Um, structure boards for to create some safety for some children that want to know what's happening tonight. So, you know, you have them in your sessions where they're coming and they'll go, what are we doing tonight? Are we playing the weekend? So structure boards to just create some safety for them children before they come in. That would be good advice for me. I would rarely have that. I would have chaos in my head. And actually, I watched your, I mean, your video, and that's cool, where it just gives some people a frame of reference and a bit of, yeah, a bit of security around... Well, what's happening next type of stuff? Yeah, 
Because you've got to understand that some children will have gone through um, a period of uncertainty, so they might have changed schools, transition, changed house, um, loads of bit, bits of things, or they might struggle with structure, they want structure. My, my niece uh, was born um, quite premature and she wants structure. She feels, she wants to know who's taking her to school, who's picking her up, can she have a jack of potatoes or a tuna at lunch? She wants structure. And um, it enables her to actually um, learn better and be up for relationships and social emotional development by just giving her some structure. Um, nice. So, yeah. So, learn names, structure board, one more, structure thing. Boards, you one more piece of gold. Arrival activities. Nice. Well, what do you mean by that? So we, I think sometimes um, we underestimate the power of what the arrival activities can do. So for one, yeah, it gives the coach time to set up when, you know, especially grassroots when they've got one coach coming on and one coach leaving and fighting for the hour slot. Um, it does give the time. Also, it helps the coach to actually sense in. So when they've rushed from work or they've had a bad day, actually to have some time just to have some deep breaths and think about, their body, how their body language then probably might affect the children in the session. And also, um, arrival activities enable some children, or all children, if um, we want to go down that route, of um, their natural urge to play, and um, which we'll talk on later probably about. We've got a play circuit in our brain that um, needs to play, and we've all got different concepts of play. We've still got our, in our brain now, and our probably concept of play might be slightly different to children's, but. When children have not had um, enough time to play through the day um, because of wet play or whatever else is going on, then they've got a natural urge to play. So if we have them literally playing for between 10, 15 minutes, um, it shows through research that actually it helps with behaviour. So it lowers behaviour um, and increases learning and gives them the opportunity so they're ready to actually learn in your session. Would you, um, if you're in charge of a school, would you have um, games in the morning? Do you know what? I think they do the. I think the. I think children do their own games in the morning when they get there. Right. Yeah. Um, but I would definitely look to put as much play activities in as possible. Um, and some children that um, we have spoke about it the day that actually can't physically sit and learn um, have probably got an underdeveloped stress response system. So the way that they need to be able to learn is probably to move because their undeveloped stress response system is their coping mechanism. So if they then can actually have more elements of play, they're putting things back into their stress response system, the local event, over time, give them the stress response system that then allows them to sit and learn and listen, which quite a lot of children is not programmed for it so early on. Well, let's delve into that a bit. So what's your, master, <laughs> what's your master's on at the moment? Um, so I did an MA last year with Pete Sturgis at uh, Centre for Research and Early Childhood in Birmingham Uni. Um, and I did it in play um, in the early years. And then now I've just switched and gone to, um, we do have a programme at work where a couple of us, um, they do a PGC group and then a couple of you, if you wanted, you can follow on with the masters. So it's in sports coaching with, uh, with a link through Worcester Uni. Um, but we've got it, I'm doing two parts really, contemporary shoes part, um, which is probably kind of a bit contradict. well, a bit, do you say what word is it um topical maybe a bit some people might disagree um and then i've, I've got to do a research project so it's two parts to it why would some people disagree um 
My contemporary shields is around handshakes in boys' academies. Yeah, well, not, not a good time to be handshaking at the moment. No, on. not a good time to be handshaking. Are you um, talking about handshakes or are you talking about how people greet one another? Okay, so the actual thing about personal greetings in education and how we use greetings to actually help um, children with connection and a sense of belonging, with learning, with a shared of power that is obviously kind of there in a sociological model uh, in the academies, but we don't really talk about it. And also then how then the boys can then connect with a coach to then talk about feelings and help with mental health. So I'm packaging it that way, looking at actually where the handshakes come from in a sign of, do we use it as a thing of respect? Um, what's the impact of personal greetings which it can take from education? And then how's it impacting on mental health with children with ACEs and trauma? And it's looking at it through a different different lens. Nice. I'm purely elbows at the moment. That's it. Elbows and feet are doing. I'm hugs, high fives, fist pumps, rarely handshakes. If I'm yeah. handshaking someone, I'm not that close with them. No. Well, we we added it the other night. Just I gave them a choice. They could either give me a high to say like thank you for being there and to end the session as a as a closure point for them. It was they had a choice: either a fist bump, a high five, or a thumbs up. And uh, it's then interesting to then watch what um, they choose. So we had one one um, player that kind of kept going into the thinking inbox quite a lot. So she wanted some psychological safety. Her emotions weren't really heightened um, in the session until she got later on, probably about 45 minutes in. Um, didn't get much eye contact. And she was only one at the end if I would have had to have bet who wouldn't have gone for physical contact, I'd have gone her, and she did. She, she was the last one to choose, and she went, I'm going to go her a thumbs up. And I was like, perfect. So, and I would have I would have chose that, and she would have been very uncomfortable me doing some bodily contact with her. So, yeah. yeah. So that's a good choice, and she was, you know, in a peer group, um, in the YDP phase, but that was her choice, and she was the last one to pick. So it was good. Nice. So let's delve into you and what you do. So I met you in Grimsby. Yeah. Which um which is a long way from Bristol. Um, yeah. <laughs> and uh, we both did some stuff at the, the football club. You presented around some of your psychosocial stuff. You got the coaches to think a little bit about uh, the brain and and yeah. could, could they draw it? So actually I tried <laughs> to draw a brain the other day, I wasn't very good. You're better mm. than their brains. <laughs> uh, and that really started to hopefully give them some, as we've already alluded to a couple of them, some kind of um, stuff they could take away and put into practice that might yeah. help them create hopefully better learning environments for kids. Would that be a summary of what it is? Yeah, and also added on to that a little bit of a, an understanding about being more curious about behaviours. Yeah. Cool. So changing a little bit of lens on what we kind of programmed into think. Um, and yeah, more about the, the reframe of some of our language and just, yeah, changing some of the lens on behaviours. So we just look at it a little bit different. Give me some stuff you hope the coaches took away. What would be the hopefully the stuff you would go, I hope they took these four or five things away. Um, I hope that they actually look at children a little bit differently. So some of their players. So what? So I'll be more curious about the behaviour. So if you separate the child from the behaviour, what is the behaviour telling you? Yeah. So, and then kind of be curious around that. So when does it occur? 
when doesn't it occur? What's their behavioural responses to when it does occur, when it doesn't occur? And then actually the language that then they use to actually um, shine a light on that behaviour um, and understand it from the child's point of view. I think a big thing for me is um, we sometimes expect or we um, think around um, children should behave this way or look at this way. And when we put it in an adult context, it would be, we won't behave that way. So for example, so my, my, my niece went to school and for the next couple of weeks, my sister said, oh, she's a bit clingy, um, which is a word that I don't think exists, but anyway, uh, I don't think children are clingy. Um, but it's really, it's loss. So she's lost a mum for the full day. Um, and it's the same in context of, and I said to her, my sister, when we lost grandma two years ago, what did we do? We, we stayed together for the next four or five days with men more, um, celebrated her birthday a little bit, celebrated, got together on, on special moments. And it's, it's with the same concept, which same as us losing grandma, the loss of Eliza, because the same brain circuits are, uh, are in play. But context-wise, that's, that's the same for Eliza going to school. So it's that kind of just reframing and looking at what we think children should cope with. Actually, if we put it in an adult context, we won't cope with it. So it's made me think of two things. It's made me think of when I go away for a few days, how my wife, mm. I need to get better at understanding what she's saying to me, really. Yes. And it's made me think about us trying to put like our adult expectations. So those five to 11 year old kids, the reason I said some people would find that hell is that they would be thinking, how can we get them really organized? How yeah. can we get them in so that this looks neat and this looks like it would for adults. Whereas what I heard you talk about was you were really excited by their curiosity and what they were able to do and their creativity. And, and that might not look like what lots of people who've forgotten, yeah, who have a different concept to play to what the kids currently have, I guess. Yeah, I think for me, when they're so young, their seeking system, which is a massive system in our brain, is, is one of the major systems that we need later on in life. So motivation and curiosity and actually pursuing your goals and following through on things, and it's, it's all linked to the seeking system. So if that is underdeveloped at that kind of formative years, then when we're in the adult or where players are coming through later on, they may struggle to kind of stick to their programs or they kind of don't, if you said to them, oh, you've been called up for the, for the World Cup or you've been, um, you've been released, the kind of the emotions are kind of very much similar on the faces. And it's so curiosity and all that stuff around the foundation phase is massive for the seeking system, which is massive for later on in life. So telling them what to do, uh, probably not being that interested in what they're motivated about, that type of stuff. I mean, is that what you would hope? Obviously the reverse of that. What type of uh, skills do you think coaches would then take away from, from those things you've just spoken about and go and put into practice what things would be useful for coaches to do i think we need i think children need boundaries and containment in a sense of structure because it allows creativity 
But then once they are, so first of all, to create that psychological safety so they are in their social engagement system. And then when they are in the, the session, I think it's a kind of like looking at what they're interested in, listening to what they say, trying to build some connections. So I use the things of like putting it on the whiteboard of different colours and favourite colour, favourite food, favourite holiday. And then that using that then to kind of, so the example I'd give is we had a, a, a little boy up that was, and um, I was struggling to really connect with him um, a lot. Um, but then it, we did a thing about space and he just lit up. And then when you got chatting to him, it were about all his classrooms in his school, what about space? And it was just, so then you had your, your, your hook in and we just let it, I just let it go with it. And he kind of led the session and then we just looked at all oh, my life. I loved when you first did that and just, just be in the moment with them. I think that's one of the big things is when I found now and from looking back at when I were a child and going down to grandma's, um, what she gave me in my emotional social development were just absolutely, well, gold dust. So now when I have my niece, um, actually just being present and actually looking at emotions and sensations and capturing that and how did you feel then and in this fun and it's just it's just I don't think we understand the power of it in child development yeah that's cool advice and adult development so I was in the hockey coach yeah. today and I said oh what you you know what you get really excited about apart from hockey and he said geez I love <laughs> and then I was at the business the other week and I was same question dinosaurs I love dinosaurs I drew a, I drew a stegosaurus on the whiteboard no one's noticed it yeah. Yeah. So yeah, just yeah, that's cool. So definitely some stuff around the behaviours, what they're saying to you, how we might um, then interact with the kids. What else would you hope the coaches would have gone away saying about the session and what would they go and do in their world? Um, I think looking at language they use and not you know using the stereotypes and the language that they can maybe use to help the children understand the feelings. So pre-session, during it, after. Um, so language is a big thing for me. Um, I've got a, a real, and it's everybody's own full choice, but I've got a real uh, nag around when we say moving up and down. I'm a big believer in uh, we're moving across. What do you mean? Um, what do you mean by moving up and down? So um, when we say to children, like you're that, moving, like... yeah, you're, you're moving up to the under 11s tonight, or you're moving down to the tens. I think if we reframe it around, you're moving across the under 11s and across to the under 10s, um, that it's, you see it as moving across. And I had a conversation once with um, a, a player that was, is now a coach, and I said, and he's like, no, moving up and down. And I was like, so when you got promoted to the Premiership, how did you feel? When you got relegated from the Premiership, how did you feel? It's like, oh, yeah, I get it. So we don't know what actually what's internalizing our experiences that actually triggers something in the brain so you know like when we are well Dan Siegel has said that once you are conceived your hippocampus stores everything in your memory so we don't know what our terminology or how people are or what the experience or the behaviors come about from what's actually underneath the surface so moving up and down for me I just think moving across is more level they can see it it's not a, a, an indication of um, you're this or you're that. Um, so I think 
Language is massive. Um, I would hope that they've picked up on structure boards. Well, give, give me some more examples of language. I'm intrigued. Um, um, so attention seeking. So we use the word quite a lot, and I don't have think some quite negative connotations. Yeah, and I don't think they are. I think children are really, uh, and I think adults the same. I think we're all the same in behaviours. I think when um, we think they're attention seeking, I think a lot of children, um, or if not all children, are actually trying to connect with you. So can you see me? Can you hear me? Um, do you understand me? So a lot of like attunement seeking. And then are you going to keep me safe? So can you help me regulate and keep me safe? And So you have, I think you have, instead of attention seeking, you have quite a lot of attunement, attachment and connection. Cool. Do you want to, do you want to explore those? So that would have been some of the language that I heard you use. Suzanne Graham would talk a lot about attachment stuff as well. Yeah, I mean, it's it's little as when, when, you know, when children are crying, you go, oh, you know, don't worry, calm down. Um, actually, reframe it in, like, can I help you? You know, I can see that I've noticed that you're upset or I can see that you're upset and I really want to help you with it. I've been trying uh, that. I've been trying that. I tried it uh, in the last couple of weeks. Oh, have you? With your language? Yeah, and, and, and it's, it's a game changer. Yeah, it is, and it's because it's your limbic system, it's it's your care system that's in your brain. So instead of you hitting language that hits your your brainstem where you're fight and flight and freeze and you're going to conflict, actually yeah. it's helping you to regulate through a relational approach with the language that you use and also your body language and your face to actually help children to go back into their three parts of their brain where they're thinking, where they can plan, they can reflect. You know, and it's it's one of them is like, um, you know, don't get upset. You know, it's okay to be sad. I'm here. You know, tell me about it. It's just a reframe a little bit on language that that builds relationships and hits your limbic system, and then puts the children back up into social engagement. But your face is massive with it as well. So I think I said, you know, big thing for me is, and I said to coaches is, what's your face saying to the kids? Because our social, our stress response system. Um, in how we are is kind of built from being born through our eyes and our mouth. So that kind of triangle area is when we have a child or a baby, sorry, that we calm and soothe, that's what happens. So our threat detection system comes a lot of through our facial recognitions that is done out of our conscious awareness. And children that are out of their social engagement system, their muscles in their face or their eyes don't work as well, um, if, not, if not at all. So they're very much blank, numb, um, defensive. So when they are up for relationships and they're expressive and they're using eye contact, so it shows that they're in their social engagement. If they're out of that, then... So your face is a, a massive in, actually, what the face of your coach is saying to children and then actually observing the children's faces. Yeah, nice. I, um, I, the thing you spoke about, actually, there was a kid that got hurt the other day playing rugby, and I, I might have, you know, I, I just, I was playing, I was thinking of you as I went over to him, and I was like, <laughs> oh, this is, uh, I was like, oh, I can see how much that must have hurt. Uh, but yeah. you're, you're like a proper rugby player now. You've got like a whole, an injury and everything. Yeah. Just, you know, how are you feeling about it? I mean, I mean, he was like, I'm a proper rugby player now. Yeah, I mean, validating a tune-in to children's feelings or anybody's feelings is massive for 
repairing, you know, giving them some more things that's below the surface and just that achievement and validation. It's like the other night it was freezing and one of the kids, you know, um, got stuttered on. Well, it hurts. You know, we, when we play it hurts. So, you know, just that kind of, it hurts, doesn't it, when you, you know, and then you get on with it. But basically, when we validate and tune, we're helping them to get back into their full parts of their brain instead of being in stress response. And then they can make good decisions and problem solve and be creative and plan and reflect. And, and that's what we want in our players and actually just in our children, really. Yeah, nice. Uh, how are you coaching uh, coaches on their facial expressions? Are you doing that or are you just making them aware of it more? Um, I'm trying to make them more aware of it because I think everybody's just so unique anyway, but I've just tried to make them very much aware that the fact that, yeah, a smile or um, just aware of their facial recognition and how does it affect the children. So just, yeah. just watch your face saying to the kids. Just be a bit more aware of it because we don't really look at his face as much, do we? No. And I've, I've done a couple of things where I've, you know, got coaches to line up um, in a line and uh, they can't uh, speak, but they've got to line themselves up in eye colour order. And it sets some people's, you know, a little bit anxious often that we expect the kids to go, no, look at me when I'm talking to you. And so it's just an understanding of how, we sense in a little bit differently and understanding what's below the surface a little bit more. Any other language stuff that comes to mind? My bugbears are, my biggest bugbear is unlucky. Yeah. It's rarely unlucky. Uh, but I'm not. And yeah. I think it comes from a good place. I think it comes from a good place. Yeah, I think it's, it's what gets said. Um, but yeah, that's one of mine. But no, I think it's just with language, it's just a case of validating and tuning and you know and actually sometimes just saying sorry I got it wrong for you tonight you know and I can see and all the stuff around like I'm wondering I've noticed I'm guessing I'm imagining you know I'm you know I'm imagining that some of you might be a little bit nervous going to this cup final on Sunday and that's okay because you know last week I had to do a really big presentation and I felt the same and you know what I got knots in my stomach and I didn't really want to eat you know and I'm guessing some of you might be like that yeah, that's, uh, that's also language for um, uh, hostage negotiation. I've noticed, I'm wondering. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know if you can imagine. Yeah. Take people to the future type stuff. What, um, yeah. um, what other stuff do you think that people took from your presentation or would you hope they took? Um, I would hope they took around structure boards, like I said, uh, putting some things in for the, the kids. Um, Looking at personal greetings. So I've been playing around, so I'll always take a big whiteboard now and I'll put yeah. stuff on it. I'll generally bring, I'll, I'll go, or, you know, send two from your team over and you can then relay that information. But actually, what I'm thinking about, especially with some, is that I could actually go and look at anyone that, you know, and anyone else that feels like they might benefit from this. I might, yeah. I might tag that in as well because I might be missing some opportunities there. I'm going to play yeah. that. Yeah, I think um, if they just put a structure board up every day and they know what's what's coming um, in the session that night, the kids that need to look at it will check in. The kids that don't need to look at it won't check in. Yeah. Um, but actually, they're going to stop the questions. It's I saw um, I was watching a coach work the other week, and uh, one of the kids on the side said to said to him, uh, "Who are we playing next?" And he said. Um, 
oh, I'll tell you in a minute, just concentrate on this game. And the little boy went to his mate next. Do you know we're playing next? Um, and he just needed to know we were playing next, whereas he can't focus on the game because he's thinking, is we're we playing next, we're we playing next, we're we playing next. Um, so just structure boards and knowing what's coming actually enables them to a little bit be in their social engagement, which frees them up to be more creative and curious and problem solve and decision make, which obviously we need for Albert life as well. I'm missing yeah. some opportunities to do some of the skills you're currently talking about. I would definitely, because my bias would be away from that stuff. So I'm possibly missing some opportunities to help some kids. Yeah. And often, I mean, often my most impactful feedback is that I, I, you didn't notice, Rusty, that I was finding that really hard. Yeah. But really I, interesting yeah. that can say that. Yeah, yeah, it's cool that they can say that. I mean, that, and I was thinking about that then. So when you spoke about coaches kind of, you know, look, I'm really sorry, I didn't quite get it right tonight or, you know, that type of stuff. I mean, uh, what's the benefit of that? How often do you see that? Um, probably not as often as I would have liked. Mm. Uh, but the benefit for me is the fact that saying sorry um, and I've got it wrong for you tonight, is rupturing repairing relationships. So there's a lady called Suzanne Siddique and she talks about rupturing repairing. Actually, the more it's not about the messing up, the more important is actually the repairing. Um, so actually, if you see that you've got it wrong for them, you know, I'm, I'm sorry I got it wrong for you tonight. Um, it's massive in rupturing repairing relationships and, and boys are... Research shows as boys are more relational learners, but they struggle with um, repairing if it's been a rupture. Um, so actually modelling it um, enables the children to actually see that they can say, I'm, 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 I'm sorry, or I got it wrong for you, or I'm okay with that, because that's, that's how it works. I need to do that more with my son. This yeah. is a counselling session for me. <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> we, we get programmed into how we should be with boys you know and it's, it's probably changed how we should be in the classroom the playing fields with them and it it needs to be we need to look at it differently because you know you go around supermarkets and you have girls of this boys of that you know mummy's little princess daddy little monster or whatever and you know we, we we sometimes are different with how we approach boys and we don't need to be the yeah. children at the end of the day yeah, that's good. That's a good piece of advice. Any other stuff that you're thinking they should have taken away? Um, I'm hoping they might have thought about putting a thinking in box. Um, you know, for children that need to um, have a little bit of time in um, and are struggling with what's going off in the session to literally be able to go into a box kind of gives them un unconsciously some uh, understanding of containment, which helps help maybe support some regulation so if they can do it on their own um, containment in a way gives us some um, help to regulate um, and a box even a box for a thinking in and a place where they can go to actually have some thinking in if they can regulate which a lot of the young ones can't because it's not in the systems yet yep. um, and need help with it that then a coach can go in and help them with it but a square for them it's like they're stepping into it 
like so a thinking inbox um subconsciously helps to the process with regulation but a lot of children will need some support with that through co-regulation and the more that we can meet the children's needs um, the more we are strengthening um, their stress response system and what sits below the surface and I use the metaphor on the on the um, the workshop and I use Wembley don't I around you know we've got this grass and when's Wembley not Wembley when NFL's been or you know they've had concerts on and what else Wembley grass grow again well the care you know the care that the groundsmen people use but actually they've got good soil because they've got the stuff below the surface so if we're wanting our children to practice things that really test them to um, develop um, the psychosocial corner that you know the five C's and all the stuff that's in this the social corner about teamwork and relationships and good learners then they need something under the system that enables that to be able to push that because if there are an underdeveloped stress response system then their brain structures sometimes will override um, their thinking which means that then their problem solving the learning the decision makings not totally um, there on a session so for us to be able to develop the grass stuff that we see above the surface we have, a, we have to have a real understanding of actually what's happening what in the brain yeah what's happening in the brain below the surface and it's a lot of it's to do with you know stress response system and underdeveloped stress response system um, and we can all have more um, put into that even if you've got a really good stress response system the more that you can uh, put into that the better it is anyway and nobody's going to have this perfect system because it's never going to be and we've got this kind of world now where everything wants to be perfect we want perfect teachers perfect coaches perfect children to the perfect partner and really good is good enough really what give me some practical examples for coaches of, of how they can help support young people so i'm definitely heard you talk about yeah in terms of self-regulation providing some of those foundations and then also talk a little bit about co-regulation so what do you mean by that yeah i mean everything that we've just basically spoke about beforehand so if you look at child development and what you need to do as an adult to help develop their stress response system which is underneath the surface it's basically what we've just spoke about in when you said give me top tips um because being in tune with them and being able to match and catch the feelings and being able to work the language in the limbic system when children tip out of their thinking capacity and they then are in a state of fight flight freeze or in dysregulation then when we then help support them to come back out um we're helping to build the resilience but also we're building the relationships as well for difficult conversations later on or actually just being there for somebody so if then we do that they know that they can come and ask us for help and it's it's very much done out of your conscious awareness through um so the the, the theory that i use is obviously the polyvagal theory which is stephen Porges's work around understanding that some children will be out of social engagement system and need to be in the social engagement system. So how we interact with them, the language that we use, the things we put in about structure bars to create that safety so they are in their social engagement is, is just pivotal to child development and then for us to actually try and develop better players, better children, 
better society well not better children but more children that children that have more um stuff below the soil that helps them with life nice where would you recommend people go and look for some if they were curious about some of this stuff who where would you point them what direction where would you go um stephen porges with the polyvagal theory um i would definitely look at that because um how do you spell his surname um p-o-r-g-e-s yeah because he talks around um that things are both out and out of our conscious awareness in the environment and internally then goes into our nervous system and then it gets logged um through it so what we think um children would cope with they may not and some of this is pre-verbal um but it keeps us safe it's uh so when children you know fake an injury they want to come off or they're they're ill the week before they go play a perceived better team the brain's going actually i'll keep you safe so it's it's the most overriding kit that's keeping us safe but in an healthy way sometimes um so he talks around a lot of a lot of that stuff around understanding children in their own in their own right as individuals and what actually is in their system um which is really good to look at um there's a lady called um dr margot sunderland she is does a, an amazing book called science of parenting not a parent help book it just goes through the neurological stuff um she's the director um, of education and training at um, Centre for Child uh, Mental Health in London. Um, she's a child psychologist. She's very good to look at. Um, Jack, Dr. Jack Panskeep. Um, Margot Sunderland used a lot of his work. It ties in quite nicely. Unfortunately, he passed away in um, 2017, but he's got some really good stuff around um, effective neuroscience. So he's the one with all the place with the systems in the brain. So understanding we've got fear, rage, loss, play, lust, seeking care in his brain and how that kind of links then into Stephen Porter's work um, around that. And then Dr. Bruce Perry is um, a child psychologist with trauma. So he talks around children with um, that have had the most kind of horrific um experiences when they were going through development and how um one person can have a massive impact on their development and what putting back in the system and i get that asked a lot with coaches so you know you're saying all this uh, but at homes differently at schools different or however do we never underestimate the power of small interactions that one person can have with a child to actually really put in some of this stuff so that's what bruce perry talks around some of the actual extreme cases when they've had one person that meets their needs and regulates and understands them can actually have an absolute massive impact on all this stuff that goes below the surface to help them cope with life and get on and and, and develop and i would see lots of coaches who is that who are that one person yeah definitely you know, in, in, in mental health, I was um, sitting on a, work, a working group and Young Minds uh, brought some research and they were saying that, you, you know, uh, um, a football coach is the, in the top three for children when they're in crisis. So when they've hit, you know, a crisis point. Um, so it's, it's interesting because I think coaches can have a, a massive impact on um, child development.
and understanding the child um, by then using football, which hopefully will give us children that can cope with things a little bit better and more. And you know, you've got to look at where society's gone and probably what we got given to what now gets given for in children. Um, and the impact is is massive for me. I I think the impact's massive for for us as children, society, but also probably better players that can cope with more stuff as they're going through um, the systems and in competitions. And it's uh, it's also uh, symbiotic, so it gets you excited as well, doesn't it? It's a bit like my wife. Like that's is what my wife does. I said to you, and uh, and mm. she gets really pumped about it. Like you must get loads of really good feedback around impact of your work on lives yeah i mean i think the say i spoke to somebody the other day and when i did the youth awards it impacted me as a person it changed me as an auntie as a sister as a friend and going through the the training that i've gone through um and the courses i've done to get to this point it's definitely impacted and some of the emails that i get or the um comments that i get are it's really it's it's at the minute it's more impacting the the person within their family life so a little bit more um that's what i was going to ask you so what's been the impact on the coaches as well and because that would be something i would speak to a lot of coaches who are experiencing lots of this stuff and they're not kids um and yeah what's your kind of would it be similar advice for them as well yeah, exactly. It's, I think human beings are human beings. We've got the same structures in our brain and just be curious around the children's behaviours and be curious and around the adult behaviours. What's the, just separate the person from the behaviour and what's the behaviour telling you. Um, and I've definitely, I definitely went through a journey of self-awareness um, of understanding um, what's my kind of interruptions in my development, how I behave or react to certain situations where do I think it's come from um kind of what actually is my prickly point so I've tried to learn to cuddle some of my cactuses well, what, um, what are your cactuses I want to know <laughs> I said this all the time but Ella talks about her um about uh, uh gremlins so her gremlins are your cactuses do you know what my really big one is? And it's come from, and I know it's come from because my mum has always drummed it into me around you treat people as they want to be treated. So you treat people as you want to be treated. And um, I'm quite a stickler of replying back. So on a night, I'll go through my messages or make sure that I make the time to reply back. So when I send a message and I get two blue ticks, that means they've read it on WhatsApp. Then I don't get a reply back. It used to it used to really, really like get me going with my stress response, but I'm I'm learning. I'm learning. Learning to try to look at it as a different angle. Yeah, they might be uh, they might be in hospital, you never know. Yeah, and also it's I've I've tried to go back the back uh, try to make more what I can control. So it's not a reflection on me that they're totally different in how they may be and how they perceive them blue ticks and how they reply. So actually, you know, I've, I can only just understand that that sets me off because of this reason and that then I can try and catch it and match it. So then I can, you know, we're all, it's not going to be perfect every time, but I've tried to then, and that's kind of developed my window of tolerance for, um, for bits. But yeah, I've just, it's been, a, it's been an interesting, interesting journey. 
to, to your friend say, oh, oh Sally, you've changed. <laughs> well, I think uh, all the time. I get a lot of going, oh, you're profiling me. Or <laughs> um, a lot that have said, like, uh, comments that, I'm working with a gentleman called Keith Mincher, who's, again, probably being quite influential in me. And a lot of them will say, oh, God, Mincher's comments. So, like, what you then put, what then you do to um, embed it into everyday life and you see things and you notice things a bit more. Uh, but, yeah, they, they are a bit more, like, um, yeah, a bit different. I think you're assessing them every time. Yeah, you... sometimes I think I'm assessing them. A lot of my friends are working kind of child development. Right. Um, so it's interesting. So, yeah, so they, uh, they've they got a good understanding of quite a lot of this stuff. Yeah, it would uh, definitely help a lot of coaches. Look, thanks so much. It's been, where can people find you? I'm going to then do some one, one, one worders, but where can people find you? Um, Twitter, or they can get in contact with me by my email address, um, which is obviously sally.needham at thefa.com. Um, and then, yeah, just get in touch. Um, I think it's just a case of just trying to be curious, understand behaviours a little bit more, look into the, definitely the, the, um, the polyvagal theory and uh, just try and apply it and see what, see what comes back from it, be curious about it and then, I've said to, to coaches before, put the structure boards in for six, seven weeks and then take them out and see the reaction of the kids. You'll know then if it's had impact or who needs it and who doesn't need it. And So, yeah. Nice. And do you, do you support uh, Derby, uh, Derby County? Is that your team? No, my team's Barnsley. Uh, uh, I'm, so, I'm taking Wayne Rooney off my uh, one-worders list. Though. All right. No, I've I've quite a few friends that work at Derby, and we went to watch their under 18s play. And I, I'm a, the the team that I look I look for in the um, in the leagues and the results. Uh, but no, I'm I'm Barnsley through and through. You, when are you most alive? What's the stuff that brings you the most excitement in your job? Um, when I'm delivering some of this stuff with coaches, and I did a, a workshop a few weeks ago actually for for Chippy. Um, and we did it with um, a female development group and we got some kids girls into play and we did a little bit of theory an hour of apl application and observation tasks and behaviours and language and then back into actually unpick it and how they can apply it um, and understand it and what were they, what did they notice um, so things like that yeah it's it's delivered a, a while back on the Van Schuth award and loved that loved just love delivering some of this stuff and actually getting the reactions back um, of if it's had made a difference. Um, so I'm just doing a little bit of implementation now with the club on a regular basis. So just coaching the kids and just having a little look at this and researching it even more. I'm definitely going to come and see you in action again. I, <laughs> I want to see you with the kids. That's the thing that I want to see. So yeah, I got to see you have a group of men in Barnsley uh, drawing brains and... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> focused and on task and curious and all of that stuff and it was uh, it was cool to see. Uh one yeah. word answers, uh kids. Yeah. Are you gonna give me a one word answer that like uh, associations if I'd say when really you might go legend as an example. I'm, oh okay, okay, sorry. It to you. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> oh my days. So I'm gonna start with uh I'm gonna start with football. Um, life changing. 
I know it's two, sorry. That's two. You can put a hyphen in it to make it one. Yeah, thanks. Um, rugby. Uh, interesting. Yeah, I don't think it would be much in there. Uh, kids. Um, amazing. Adults. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Interesting is very passive. No, I think, I think probably curious. Curious. Hopefully. Very interesting. Hopefully. Uh, yeah. FA. Um, progressive. Yeah, I think you're doing some cool stuff. Some good people. Yeah. Uh, coaching. Um. God, that's hard because it's so rewarding, so satisfactory. We'll take your we'll Amazing. Take yeah. Just uh, uh, enjoyment. Play. Um, phenomenal returns. Uh, I was just going to do one more. London. Um, I want to say bright. I don't know why that's oh, no. coming to me, Ed, but I want to say bright. I've got some good experiences in London. Have you? Just my idea. Yeah. <laughs> I can visit it like five times a year and that's it. I'm done. It's like busy, <laughs> traffic, that type of stuff. It's interesting. I try, I try social experiment every time I go to London. So I always try and connect with somebody and then like a hi or a morning or a, yeah. try and see how many, how many hellos or highs I get. Or Have you ever had one? Yeah, I have actually. Yeah, but I do try. So it's an experiment that if you give somebody a eye contact and they're in their social engagement and you are and you give a, that facial expression, actually they'll, come in, they'll feel safe so they'll give you it back. But... So what I've heard is you're going down to London and flirting with people on the tube. That's what I've heard. <laughs> yeah. Once yeah. Again, I, mean, I do it same when I go running. You don't smile at people or look at them I in know. the tube. I do, it, I do it the same when I go running. I always try and get me myself a, um, you know, a number that I need to achieve, or a hello or a morning or a look and a smile. So. We used to do it with, uh, sometimes if you come down in the morning with like uh, in, in a team environment and... The, the mood's quite low you might I'd said two people a challenge you go look first one to get 10 smiles wins yeah you know, make some people smile um, also with that the power of a hug I mean if the NHS could put the the power of a hug into a tablet god we'd be brilliant yeah well we heard it here first <laughs> I just came with a packet of hug from the cupboard packet of hug yeah new job hugger yeah. Thanks, Sally. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. No problem. As ever, I've learned loads about how I'm going to get better as a coach, which is cool. So uh, have a great day and we will speak. You too. Speak to you soon. Bye. Bye.